Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hockey! Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. We've lost three in a row. I, I don't care what we said in the room or, or to you guys right now. It's three in a row. And we better have absolutely desperation in the next hockey game. We, we were close tonight with our, with our game. We need to see our absolute best game in a couple of nights. And as Dean Evison knows, close does not matter. As we wake up this morning, the, the Wild uh, in what's a very, very tight Western Conference is actually out of the playoffs right now. They lose a third consecutive game to the Lightning last night. The Abs win their sixth in a row. The Lightning now behind the Kings and Flames in the uh, playoff race as far as the Wild card goes. Yes, it is Judd's hockey show. It's Judd. It is Declan, executive producing and co-hosting, as he always does, and our friend from the Before I Die podcast, The Bar Down Beauties, adding uh, some actual looks to a show that really lacks it ordinarily, (laughs) except for Dex's hair, which is great. Thank you. It's Jesse Pierce. Jesse, what's going on? What's going on, boys? Thank you again, Flattery. We'll get you everywhere. (laughs) You'll eventually grow tired of my constant beauty because certainly Ross and Thor on Before We Die did. They were like, can you just slum it up once? And then I did, and (laughs) it felt inappropriate. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean dex does i will say this i bring nothing dex does bring probably the best hair per, perhaps for a guy in the entire market like i'm hair. thinking of like you know mike max uh-uh uh mike russo no way no dex's hair is special. appreciate it you know face for radio hair for tv you know that's kind of the <laughs> kind of where i like to be at i love it so let's uh, do exactly what we did a week ago, which is get to some pressing questions and some pressing topics. And we are going to start with what Dino was just talking about there, which is a um, three-game losing streak. More importantly, I thought the Wild came back and played a pretty damn good game last night. Before that, not so much. A road trip on which they went one and three. And Jesse, we'll start with you. Uh, but on this four-game trip, the Wild scored only five of their 11 goals, five-on-five. Five. Uh, they didn't have a five-on-five five goal against the Lightning last night. The first line as a unit hasn't accounted for a goal together with assists from both guys in six games since the Islander win, which was not a great performance. Uh, we could go on and on. The Wild is 27th in a 32-team league in five-on-five five goals. They were near the top last season. so. What is your concern that this team five on five has basically stopped and or struggled big time to score goals? I mean, again, I think it goes back to, and I know Dean Ebsen has said this time and time again, they're trying to be too cute with their plays. They're trying to use too much skill with them. And that's not this team. They are trying to play like the Minnesota wild team of last year. And that's not their identity. They are a gritty grinding team. You need more guys going to the net to get those greasy goals. You need the ugly goals. It doesn't always have to be a highlight reel. Now, last night goals, beautiful, beautiful goal by Jewel Eric's neck, beautiful goal by Kirill Kaprizov as well. But in general, again, those didn't come five on five, five on five. They just need to be better at shooting the puck and getting the puck on net. I mean, frankly, it sounds simple. 
And it really is that simple, in my opinion, from a bird's eye view. I think that's what they need to do is they need to be willing to grind and go into some of those hard areas. I know we talked about Sam Steele maybe not fitting in that center role because he's not necessarily willing to do that like Ryan Hartman did last year. So maybe that's something. Maybe there's some line tweaks that need to happen in order to re-jump some of these guys and get them to play hockey to this grinding identity that they need to have. Yeah, and just the five-on-five woes, uh, I went back and looked, and basically the last eight Stanley Cup winners, so going back to 2015 when Chicago won, all of them were in the top half in five-on-five scoring, and about six of them were in the top ten in five-on-five scoring. So far, the Wild this year are, I believe, fifth worst in five-on-five. Now, Colorado is right behind them. Now, they're getting hot and healthier, and I'm going to guess that offense will probably start clicking now that everyone's getting closer back to 100%, but you, you need five-on-five five scoring when you're so basically handicapped to the power play. Um, the Wilds' power play has been better than years past over the last year or two, but at the same time, you can't not score five-on-five, five. and even though they don't have necessarily the natural skill and as much of the scoring depth that they had last year, they have to play more up to their par, and if they try to play a game where they're trying to outshoot teams and outskill teams, essentially, I should say, um, they're going to have a bad time. And that's what I think we're kind of watching here on this losing streak. I think here's where Dean has problems though. So they, they were talking on the telecast last night about the practice on, um, on Monday, I believe that Dean again had to talk to the team about its quote unquote identity. We're almost 50 games into the season. How do these guys not understand to Jesse's point that they are not the 2021, 22 wild. How do they, when you look at the regression that's taken place, which Dex has talked about repeatedly, which is not shocking, um, and then you look at how they try and play, Jordan Greenway has two goals in 29 games. Marcus Foligno, four in 37 games. Ryan Hartman, who we'll get to, probably should be scratched against Philadelphia on Thursday. So I guess what confuses me is, because we could talk about, well, if Bill Guerin wants to win, he needs to go get a top six guy that can score. Now, that's going to be up to Bill. Bill might say, this team, you know what, screw it. But what gets me is this. Why is the head coach having to remind his players how they need to play 50 games in? It's not like there's some, it, it, you know, does Jordan Greenway wake up and look in the mirror and think to himself, yeah, today's the day I go Bobby Orr. I go full Wayne Gretzky. This is me, right? You know, so that, so, but that's what I don't get. Like, Beyond Kirill and Zuccarello to a certain point, and that line's disappeared, who on this team looks at themselves and says, yeah, you know what? It's going to start to click for me offensively because that's who I am. That I, I, I am thoroughly confused about this whole thing of them, as you said, Jess, starting to try to play cute like they think that they are a really good team or yeah. really skilled team. As Herb Brooks said, gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. So I think that really solidifies this team. And it's funny you mentioned that you have Kirill and maybe Zuccarello. My husband and I literally were just talking about this. You look at the superstars in the league, they always have somebody with them. You've got Crosby and Malkin. You've got Dressidel and McDavid. I mean, Colorado has three elite players. Zuccarello's on the cusp, and I think he definitely is there. But again, he'll he's getting older in age, so Kirill doesn't have anybody to be that elite talent. That all aside you're right. This is not the team that you are throw away last year. You guys didn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Anyway, that's not something that necessarily you need to hold your standards to. It's okay to be a gritty and grinding team. And I think a lot of those players, as you'd mentioned, like Jordan Greenway, 
Last year was a flash in the pan. That's not who you are as a player, Marcus Foligno as well. I mean, it's it's just very rare to have those season, and it's great that they did, but to they're it's almost like they're trying too hard. They're gripping their sticks too tight, and they're playing like a team that's desperate but not desperate enough. I know we go back to when Bill Guerin brought in Ryan Reeves, and that was certainly a shot of energy, and it's no coincidence that was a turnaround. It's very clear that this team needs another shot in the arm to figure out what they are doing, what that looks like, whether that is a top six forward. I don't know again, because that you want to be aware of kind of how that would seamlessly fit into some of those lines. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very puzzling. It's very frustrating to me too. And maybe, you know, you do have to maybe take a harder look at Dean Ebsen and what he's doing as a coach. And is he doing enough to remind these players who they are and who they need to be and who what they need to play like in order to be successful. So maybe that's something that he needs to take a hold of. I know he loves letting the guys do their thing in the room, letting the leaders lead, but at some point, you know, maybe he needs to interject a little bit more and let him know the way that they're playing right now last night aside uh, is unacceptable. Yeah. And look, I don't think that there's uh, as many individually selfish players in that locker room that there have been in years past. So I, I think this team can get out of that and they aren't really a team that's going to look at, look at themselves in the mirror, look at themselves in the locker room and say, now it's my turn to get mine. And I, they don't have those guys as much as they used to anymore, but at the end of the day, they have to wake up and kind of figure out what game they want to play. And if it's, if it's the grinding way and it's the way that they know that they've been able to win from the holiday season, then they know that they can do that. But kind of lately, yeah, I feel like they've lost that identity and then, They've been gripping the sticks to Jesse's point, and they're just not playing up to par of how they need to play to win games. All right, second talking point. And uh, just Dex and I talked about this a little bit on our last JHS, but I think it's worth, especially after last night and Dean's comments, getting back to. And that is second-line wing now, Ryan Hartman. Um, Dean defended his penalty against, or penalties against Florida a couple of nights ago. Last night, Hartman fell on the sword, and Dean said he should be hard on himself. It's stupid. I think we're to the point of scratching him. Mm-hmm. Do you agree that it, it might be uh, – and I thought he actually played hard last night. That's not the point. He's taking dumb penalties, and the thing about it is, you know, he accidentally, and it's not his fault, knocked in what turned to be turned out to be the deciding goal for Tampa. Do you think it is time to allow him to watch with us from the press box to just take a step back? I certainly think so. If you're willing to do that to Matt Dumba to send a message, there's no reason that Ryan Hartman, if you're following the narrative of it's based on play, it's based on merit in the game. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I do believe we talked about it last episode, how since Ryan Hartman's gotten back, he's made a lot of really stupid penalties, a lot of stupid plays. You see those flashes of kind of brilliant, some really good playmaking once in a while, but certainly not enough to overcome any of the mistakes that he's making. They are so glaring. And again, it's the penalties, really. They're just dumb, frustrated penalties. And you can understand how that happens every now and then. But with Hartman, it has been so consistent. And you cannot be a guy down, especially the teams that they're doing this against, against your Tampas, against your Floridas, teams with just elite power plays where you know you're basically giving them the goal. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if Ryan Hartman is scratched against the Philadelphia Flyers here in St. Paul on Thursday. I think it needs to happen. I think it's a message that he would also understand. You know, I think it's that one, it's probably a one game, sit out, think about it, figure it out, get it together. Cause certainly they have another forward that they can toss in there and be just fine. So um, I would like to see Hartman in the press box, whether Dean thinks that's the right move. We'll see. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just been kind of unplayable, to be honest, the last um, for the majority of the season, to be honest. I mean, I know he had the, the the Cinderella, you know, slipper on last season where he scores 34 goals basically out of complete nowhere. Um, and we kind of thought, oh, wow, you found a great top line center here who's making chump change and had some face off problems, but mostly has kind of developed honestly overnight into the first round pick that he was with Chicago. But Lately, he looks more like the grinder player that he was prior to last season, which, I mean, he had a nice role there where he was a solid bottom six dude. But now, I mean, he's unplayable. I mean, they have a Flyers team that should be able to get back on track later this week. But if he has another game like he did against Tampa or he's basically a non-factor, I'm with Judd, um, I think he's going to be scratched. And, you know, there are reinforcements in Iowa here that you could call up and kind of take his spot going forward. It's not like you have to play him because he's making a, a certain amount of salary or he means that much to the room. Yeah, I, I think he could probably be benefited from being sent to the press box for a game or two. Give me Sammy Walker, please. <laughs> Give me the speed. Like, this team has so much uh, uh, seemingly grit and guys that, you know, they, it's not that they don't work hard, but yeah. they don't really understand what their role is. And, you know, the the games that, that Walker played with Goudreau and Boldy, he brought more speed. Like, he just brought more skill. I, I just want more skill there. I, I got to, you know, the sad thing is right now, when this team plays like it has of late, it's not very fun to watch. Like no. Kaprizov's fun, but the problem is when everyone thinks that they're Kirill too, then especially on the road, the opponent just attempts to, to do what uh, what what the Vikings opponents did to Justin Jefferson. They just attempt to double team and shut down Kirill, and, and everyone else is going to fail because they think that they're good. You know, I just, I, I want speed. I want some more skill. I'm not saying it has to be an all-star player, but I am saying, you know, watching Hartman, like of all the regression that's taken place, you guys, I really think that it's easy in that the Hartman one is the easiest one or, or the hardest one to watch. Mm-hmm. Like seeing him fail, like Felino's not scoring, but I don't watch the game and say Marcus Felino, ooh, right? <laughs> yeah. And Greenway last night, Again, he can be difficult, but last night I thought he played okay. Hartman, he's holding the stick so tight and he's trying so hard. It's like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy he's going to screw up. You know, you said you wanted more scoring and more energy. You want a different team than the Minnesota Wild, let's be honest. Like, there's just, that's not what we're watching at all. No. Uh, you know, because and, and last year I think that's what is, you're feeling that letdown because last year, that's all you got. It was goal after goal after goal. And that's what makes this game so exciting is when teams are scoring left and right and just doing it all the time. And Minnesota isn't that team, but they never have in franchise history. That's never been their team. They've always been that very defense first squad. Thank you, Jacques, for that. Um, and while they've added a little bit of scoring punch, I think you're right, Judd. You don't have just the elite talent. Is Sammy Walker the answer? Maybe I like the idea of him up here better than Marco Rossi, which I know a lot of people are still bitter. I don't know that you're going to see Marco Rossi with the wild at all. I really kind of am at that point where I just don't think it's there. I think he's, you know, an easy trade bait or he's somebody that's just going to kind of stay. Yeah. That's a little hot take. Did you just just throw out, you think it might be, that might be it. Why not? Toss him in with Dumba. Toss him in with Dumba. Maybe. That's a big, another four. Yeah. Ninth overall pick. Oh, oh boy. It doesn't always pan out, boys. It doesn't always pan out, and that's okay. 
I saw Brian Lawton, Jesse. I know it doesn't always pan out. <laughs> Steve Iserman, oh. Turgeon, Barrasso. Mm. I know it doesn't pan out. LaFontaine. Okay. I'll go back to James Shepard. That was my guy. There I was go. like, oh, James Shepard. Oh, and that God. was brutal. Oh, brutal. God. Benoit Pouliot, even you can yeah. you can you can throw him in him in the mix. He actually so turned many. out to have a halfway decent career, yeah. but he was a bust. Was was a huge bust. 100%. That's the Crosby draft, right? Yes, Pouliot? I believe he was like third. He was like third I actually, or fourth. Yeah, I, I actually covered. So they they were coming back from the lockout in '05. Yeah, and I was at the strip at the time, and I covered the the uh, lottery, and the. The wild kept not getting called, right? So they started the butt back, and they worked their way up to one, obviously. And it's like, oh my god, they got a chance at Sidney Crosby. They got a chance at Sidney Crosby, and then they got a pretty good draft pick. And it's Benoit Pouliot. <laughs> All right, the third talking point is going to be it's going to be juicy. It's going to be controversial. But before I get there, I want to talk to you guys about well, let's just say the sports bar of sports dad that's right park tavern st louis park you're looking at it right there that's just the bowling folks this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to park tavern because you've got two bars you've got a place that is outstanding for groups i'm not talking small groups i'm talking a big group 40 or 50 people again guys as i keep saying if your wife has a birthday coming up and she's like you have something special planned and you're like i hate the plan because you know what sports dad does all you have to do is get hold of my friends at park tavern cheryl and her crew will take care of everything and you take the bow 952-929-6810 parktavern.net 952-929-6810 parktavern.net in the community for over 42 years and a great place to watch a game and enjoy let's say Hey, Surly. And Dex, uh, before we get yeah. to the third talking point, tell me about popcorn. Oh, popcorn? My friends at popcorn. Here, look at this mm-hmm. nice little Minnesota Wild uh, bucket oh, here, Jess. What do you think? Nice... Huh? I like it. Oh, the kids would like that, Jess. The kids yeah, would probably like would. the popcorn. The mm-hmm. hubby would like the popcorn. You would like – everyone loves popcorn, okay? I mean, you can't mess it up. And then there's so many delicious flavors. I got dill pickle popcorn here. That's right. I said dill pickle Popcorn. Yes. I, I eat it all the damn time. I was munched on it yes, yesterday watching the Wild play the Lightning. You can go to popcorn.com to find all these great flavors. They're also located in the Twin Cities in Minnetonka. So go check out popcorn.com. Mention you heard it on Judd's Hockey Show. It helps them out, helps us out too. Go check out popcorn.com. All right. I'm going to go off script from what I sent you guys. But with the way that this uh, conversation is gone, the NHL trade deadline is a little over a month. It's the early part of March now. All right. So here's my question, and Dex, I'll start with you on this one. But um, Bill Guerin has basically come out and said, this team will tell me if I should make a trade to improve it or not. So as things stand right now, because we are almost 50 games in, so we don't have a sample size problem here. We have fluctuations in play, but we don't have a sample size problem here. Is the Minnesota Wild worth trying to save? Would you, in other words, how much would you go in if if you were Bill Garrett and sat down today and looked at these games, how much of a commitment would you make and say, you know what, I'm going to get a top six forward who can score some damn goals, the future be damned a little bit, or you know what, it's not worth it. I want to save my capital. Uh, in fact, if anything, I might be a seller. Uh, so I wouldn't be a seller. I think that's that's clear. I think uh, in terms of the things I would like to see happen, I would like to see them potentially get the right guy. I don't want to see them mortgage the farm for anyone. So I like Bo Horvat for me is a non-starter. I, if, if, if Vancouver's going to be asking for multiple picks and multiple top prospects, I'm out on that. Uh, he's a great player, 
Uh, but I don't think the Wild necessarily need that. And and even if they got Bo Horvat, I'm not sure all of a sudden I'm looking at the Wild as, oh, now we're going to run through the West or now they're going to be the team to beat. I don't look at that way. I look at it like that. I look at it in a different way. And, and the name I brought up with Judd last time, Jess, when we talked on over the weekend was if Ryan O'Reilly comes back from this foot injury and he plays up to par and also he's up there in age. Now, again, I don't think St. Louis gives him away for you know a, a bag of popcorn necessarily. But if you can get him for the right price. He's a leader. He's a captain. He's the Bill Guerin type of ingredient. Even if it's just a first round pick and if it's even next year's first round pick, I'd entertain that. And then you have an opportunity to potentially resign him. You bring him chemistry into the room. Someone like that for me, I would like to see. Uh, outside of that, though, to answer Judd's question, I don't think it's like regardless or I don't think it's necess- uh, necessary that they have to go off and be buyers of the trade deadline. I'm kind of with Judd. Ride it out. If you squeak in the playoffs with this roster with some internal tweaks, go for it. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to be pounding my fists in the table demanding Bill Guerin to make trades kind of like he did last season. Yeah, no, I think I'd completely agree with that. I love Ryan O'Reilly, boys. I think that's a great move. I think he'd fit perfectly well into that culture. He knows how to win. He's just got this good personality, too. So I think that is something to be admired. I don't hate going after Bo Horvat though. I've becoming because maybe it's Whoa. because it's just been thrown in my face so constantly over time that I've just come around to it. And I will give credit to our friend Pat Micheletti for this. Him and I were chatting last night. Um, and he's the one that said, What do you think about Marco Rossi? And I mentioned I would be willing to trade him. I really would. So I think you package him with Matt Dumba and like again a Brandon Duhame or a Connor Dewar. And go get Bo Horvat. I would be okay with that. It wouldn't be something, yes, it's a lot, but it's also you're keeping your picks, you're keeping your future safe in that matter. Um, and you're getting rid of Dumba, which is going to happen either way. You're freeing up time, space on the forward. And then you've settled what you're going to do with Marco Rossi. That question is now gone. It's remained. It's it's over. It's in the past. So I wouldn't mind seeing a top six forward. At the end of the day, though, I think, <clears throat> Dex, you said it correctly. I'm not going to be mad if they don't do anything either. I think this team will continue to be a bubble team. They will probably squeak in because that's what they do. And that's where their skill level is at. It wouldn't be as big of a letdown when they don't make it out of the first round because that's who they are. That's where they are. That's what I see from the squad. I just want to make the playoffs mostly because selfishly, it gives me more work to do. gives us more to talk about, (laughs) but you know, that's what I need. Just make the playoffs. Billy can do whatever he needs to, to get at least there beyond that. Whatever, I guess. So for, for folks who, who don't know, Jess, you, you're around this team a ton, uh, co- cover them for the league website. So like you go to practices a lot, you talk to a lot of people. Uh, let's delve in a little bit more to your Marco Rossi hot take, because I sense, I sense there's more to it than just like a frustrated person that watches the team. I, I like what, what puts you on this take? Cause it's very intriguing because it is intriguing he's not here. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is not a, oh, you're overstating it. Wait till next year when he's an all-star. I mean, we, I think we all thought that he would be here last season at this time. So so delve into your hot take because it seems like it is a educated bit of reckless speculation, not just a reckless speculation. I mean, part of it is just my opinion, and I have very brash opinions about things, and I like to voice them and make them be. Uh, No, I mean, I'll be (laughs) right. I'll be completely honest. When I saw Marco Rossi at camp this year, and actually when I even saw him last year, I was just kind of. I'm not as impressed as I'd been. You hear all this talk about Marco Rossi, Marco Rossi, and he's put on this pedestal. And the whole time I'm watching him, I'm like, he's good, no doubt about it. But I don't see him being this savior for the center position for the Minnesota Wild. I don't see him being 
this guy that they want him to be and putting all this pressure on him. Um, he has his maturity has grown, which I thought was a, a good sign. And, you know, certainly Minnesota didn't give him nearly enough, maybe opportunity in Minnesota or up with the big leagues to succeed. But also I just don't see him being as good as they project him to be. Now it sounds like he is tearing it up pretty well in Iowa, but maybe that's just because he's a really good AHL player. That is completely possible. And that's okay. Again, you're not going, you can swing for the fences in your first round. And Marco Rossi at the time was a fantastic pick. I just don't see him getting to the level that he needs to be in the NHL. And again, that's just from my little eyeballs watching him and just not loving it. Like Kirill Kaprizov, when you heard all about Kirill Kaprizov and seeing him in person, you were blown away. And I was kind of putting that same expectation on Marco Rossi because that's all you heard about. And I was just kind of like very met on him. So even when he was scratched and I was like, that's fine. Like it's not hindering my opinion. And, and again, I, I think maybe he would be a good fourth liner somewhere. I just don't see it being here. So that's why I would be willing to package him in part ways because I think he is an asset to um, explore and then it could give him a better opportunity elsewhere as well. So Jess, uh, Judd knows how much I have uh, bitched about prospects uh, on, on this podcast, but a lot of hockey ones and also based like hockey and baseball prospects kind of fall under the same umbrella of super fans fall in love with them. And mm-hmm. to be honest, even the top ones, it, it's, it's a bust rate there. There's a yeah. high bust rate on the best ones and the ones that come up and work their butts off and all of a sudden become good players. That happens too. But we fall sometimes so in love with the theory of someone and then they don't really hit that ceiling. I mean, Marco Rossi was a top 10 pick. He's he's supposed to be a, a frontline center. There could be a case to your point. He might have a great NHL career as a bottom six person. He might right. he might play 400, 500 games as a bottom six forward and not reach his ceiling. And that's good for him. He has a nice little NHL career. You're right that I would say if you're going to trade him, you're probably going to get a legit haul for him. You, you'd be able to package him to get a legitimate established veteran player. That's the game you have to play when you trade a top 10 prospect. I'm probably not um, all in on trading him quite yet, okay. but you bring up a point that Garen kind of has a developmental for these guys. Judd and I kind of got a little confused when this happened, what, two years ago in the Vegas night series when Boldy kind of was called up and he participated mm-hmm. in yeah. warmups. But then he didn't play, and we're like, why not? Why don't you just play him? And then, obviously, Boldy has turned out, and he's been a solid player. So you have to kind of juggle it, right? You have to kind of go to the risk-reward with what you want to do with your prospect. Like, trading Marco Rossi, to me, is not a complete non-starter, I guess, is my long-winded mm-hmm. point here. I, I would consider it if you got the right player, because I'm, I'm kind of with you here, too. Like, high, high-end prospects are great to have. you got to stockpile them to a degree, but they're also poker chips. you got to use them, and you got to bet them when, when, when you're supposed to do so. I'm just I'm saying not doing that's what you're getting for him. <laughs> I'm not doing it for a rental, though. Like, unless I could sign Hor- Horvat, which I think with the cap constraints is damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, agree with your with what you're saying, Jess, if I can get a guy that I can keep or, re-sign, or sign. Sure. Uh, I just don't think this this team is worth a rental. I, yeah. I just I don't know that it's got the and, – and look, I think internally this season is not a shock. Like, I don't think Bill Guerin's like, oh, my God, I thought we were going to win the Cup. I think he built a team that he wants to be competitive, but like I think that they knew with the parameters of the buyout and how much they're going to hit the cap and have hit the cap for the next, what, three years now, two or two years after this, that that's not a, a surprise. All right. Um, as we wrap things up here, I want to get to, to this one. We talked extensively about Matt Dumba last week, but he had not been scratched in back-to-back games. Now, he came back and played last night, played okay, but he was a minus two. Um, 
Jesse, how much has your opinion of the Dumba situation changed knowing now that that's shortly after we talked last Wednesday, he got he got healthy scratched, which was an act of God for this team in two consecutive games. <laughs> the one that puzzled me was the Florida game. I did not see that coming. Like, I just kind of was surprised that he went two games because it's not like they played yeah. exceptionally well against Carolina that warranted Dumba to not slot back in. I mean, Goligoski was fine, but I didn't think it was. So that was kind of peculiar. Um, again, it's been it's almost like at this point you kind of want to shoot the injured horse a little bit, like <clears throat> figure out what you're, I've been watching a lot of Yellowstone guys. So I apologize. Uh, <laughs> you know, I want to just figure out, just move on from him. I think at, at this point, if you're going to healthy scratch him, but yeah. then your problem is his value has now diminished. You're not, I mean, no, I don't know what you're even going to be able to get for Matt Dumba. Certainly not a one for one, you know, you don't want to just give him away for futures, any of that is it worth keeping him i mean i wouldn't be mad i guess if they kept around but just figure it out just figure out what it is that you want from him i did i thought a healthy scratch warranted absolutely because he has played like complete crap all season long and really there's not been many games that he has stood out as a top four pair you know that second pair with broads um but just figure it out that's all i'm asking like quit playing again this this toying game with it like we all know he's not going to be here next year so just bye see ya like put the a on uh jewel eric's neck and be done with it yeah i think we're watching the end of him here and if he can build up some value um obviously that will be great but at this point i don't think another team's gonna come asking for top uh top capital coming back to you so i think you'll kind of take whatever you get at the deadline if that's a fifth round pick at this point i mean i think you kind of take it to the bank and run if you can find another player that might help you also awesome but i think we're asking the last few games of him here I, i think a trade probably comes down not like up to the deadline i think we're probably gonna see I, i'd be surprised if a month from now he's still on the roster mm-hmm. i think that's kind of where i'm at i think it comes pre-deadline i think he'll build up some value and then eventually once they find something that kind of fits the floor of what they would want in return they'll pull the trigger i thinking about this a lot here's my thought so like because yes i you you guys are exactly right and if you're gonna healthy scratch him just trade like just do something with him because he's respected in the room and so it sends a weird message but when it comes to dean you know what bugs me about dean he overcorrects too much at times without without a public warning shot now i'm sure he's talked to matt and i'm sure that but you know what they can't score a damn five on five goal they haven't juggled lines at all mm-hmm. like this is the same crap we went through in the blue series dumba goes from hey are you gonna do something to he's a healthy scratch twice you don't demote him to the third pairing you don't do like, it's like Dean goes from five miles per hour, okay, we're going to be patient, to 100 without going 55. You know, and the Blue Series really concerned me. There was a lot of non-moves there that Craig Berube made, and it worked. And I understand line continuity. I actually, as an old-school hockey fan who saw a lot of it, appreciate that. You know, the North Stars left their lines together a lot. But you can't score a five-on-five goal. You're not juggling lines you get mad at Dumba and you go from he's playing with bros like Jesse said so he's playing with a really good defenseman too you know what screw it he scratched why don't you play him on the third pair for a game you know send a public message send uh because calling people into your office privately doesn't work for some people and so now you go from okay you didn't listen so you're fired to couldn't you done something so anyway that that that's the thing that sort of bugs me about Dean. Uh, last thing, just for you, just I just want to get your thoughts here. Um, the way that 
Bruce Boudreaux was treated by the Canucks. You, you covered him. I think you're sort of friends with him. He's certainly been on Bar Down Beauties. He's a great hockey guy. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts because I thought that was among the most Bush League things I've ever seen, at I've least in his, recent hockey. I've got his digits. Me and Bruce are, are buddies, good pals. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, he's just he's a fantastic human. I've never met somebody, maybe you, Judd, are second close, but somebody that just loves hockey so freaking much. I mean, this guy is watching it in and out. I mean, it's his complete passion and you have such respect for somebody that is so true and dedicated to the game. Um, you know, I definitely hate obviously how Jim Rutherford did. I saw a funny meme yesterday about how Bruce Boudreaux scored his first NHL goal on Rutherford. And that's probably why Rutherford took it out on him. So um, no, I just thought it played out so publicly and it was just so for a coach that has earned the respect of the league, earned the respect of players and teams you hate to see it and you hate to see the emotions. I'm a huge empath. So obviously seeing anybody cry, I can't help but tear up, but I did, I will say this. And I read a very interesting opposite side of things where a Vancouver Canucks fan said he didn't think necessarily the organization handled it wrong because Bruce's emotions were tied to the way that the fans treated him, the respect that he got from the fans. So he goes without that, without the organization saying, you know, he's probably going to be let go. He wouldn't have received that farewell, that very fond, goodbye which i thought was very interesting so that's actually a good point like bruce Boudreaux was in anaheim ready to replace their coach once upon a time too but i think it was just the fact that bruce was still himself still very human and the way that the fans reacted to him which was so positive and the way the players all showed their respect i think you don't get that unless the organization was as brash as they were so while i think it was a, a terrible thing to do you're also somewhat happy for it because then the fans were able to recognize hey we really appreciate and love this guy. So Bruce, thank you. So you could take it a kind of as a double-edged sword there at the end of the day, Vancouver organization, terrible organization. Don't get me wrong yeah. with everything, not just Bruce, everything that they handle. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard to watch. I am sure we will see him soon on our TV channels, probably behind a bench in some capacity as well. Awesome stuff, Jess. Thanks. We will talk to you soon. Dex, uh, you can wrap it up for us if you don't mind. Yeah, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment right here. This is Judd's Hockey Show. That's Jesse Pierce. Go listen to the Bar Down Beauties. Go check out our work at NHL.com. Go follow her on Twitter as well. We'll be back later this week.